0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, April 10th, 2022, we continue our series titled, Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, If the Spirit Dwells in You, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Romans chapter eight, verses nine through 11. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. You see, the strength of any true believer is our alignment with God's Spirit. This alignment is in direct correlation with what the Christian chooses to focus their mind on. This is the renewing of your mind. A focus on God's word will cause a person to see things from God's perspective and to respond in a way that glorifies Him. Living in the world, we are constantly bombarded with values and desires of the flesh, unless, of course, we take steps to counteract those messages we will find ourselves out of step with the Spirit of God who lives within you. Because for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is, therefore, no condemnation. Hey, grab a Bible. We are in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11 this morning, continuing our discussion um, on the Holy Spirit. Last week from Pastor Jeff, we kind of began this discussion on the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does. We learned that if we have the Son, we have the Spirit, We learned we're supposed to walk according to the spirit, not the flesh. We're supposed to set our mind on the spirit, not on the flesh. Uh, I'm not sure what your upbringing was. I grew up in a Christian home, not like just a normal Christian home, a super Christian home. Uh, It wasn't just a Christian kid. I was like a super Christian kid, if that makes any sense. Like uh, McGee and Me was my favorite show. Um, Saved by the Bell was like a bad show to watch in our house. Um, I knew all of Larry's silly songs, if that means anything to you. I went to vacation Bible school. We went to Iwana's. Uh, it was great. And, and we learned all sorts of wonderful things. And I reflect back on my childhood fondly. I don't mean to, to mock it now. But there were a few phrases that were always thrown around in Christian culture um, in my house or in church or in kids' programs, whatever it was. And that phrase was this Your body's a temple. Your body's a temple. Now it's a biblical phrase. I'm not threatening. God said this, okay? So let's. Before I don't want to mock it. First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty. It says this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are not our own. We are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't really know what that meant as a kid, right? Typically, I'd hear it from, like, really fit, faithful Christians. Like, why do you look like that? Because my body's a temple. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wow. Sure, Sure thing, man, whatever you say. Or I'd hear it like this. I can't believe you'd eat that. Don't you know your body's a temple? You drink what for dinner? Don't you know your body's a temple? Your kids play contact sports? Don't you know their body's a temple? Now, I don't wanna focus on the physical because I don't think that's necessarily the point. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, not the holy physical. I don't know what the right way to say that would be, but that's our tendency when it comes to the Holy Spirit to focus on the physical. I think what we gotta do is look within and focus on the spiritual because the Holy Spirit is a spiritual person. He's not a spiritual thing. He's not a spiritual it. He's not a spiritual object. He is spirit. Unfortunately for many Christians, um, the Holy Spirit is like one of the best gifts that Christ has given us. But for many of us, we've just totally failed to accept it. We've totally failed to open it. Um, And I don't think it's out of lack of interest or, or lack of wanting to. I think most of it is just a lack of understanding. Who is he? What does he do? He's dwelling within me? Where? Where is he at? So this morning, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit dwells in you, we find three conditional statements that are true in our passage this morning. And while this passage is not like a total theological expose on who the Spirit is and what he does, uh, we are gonna see quite a bit just from these three short verses of who he is and what he does. Let's read it, and then we'll pray. Like I said, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible somewhere around you. You can take that, read it, believe it, do what it says. I promise your life will be changed forever. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11 says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if, the, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. God, while it's my voice that's been heard, we know this morning, it's your word that's been spoken and it's your word that we trust as the authority for our life. God, not our Facebook, not our TikTok, not our Instagram not any of our socials, not the news, not our friends, not even family. God, this morning we rest in your word as the authority for our life. Holy Spirit, we know you've moved in our life before. We ask this morning that you'd move in our life again. God, would you stir our minds that we would understand you, stir our hearts to love you, our ears to hear you, and stir our mouths to speak of you every single day this week when it comes to Holy Week. God, that you would give us divine opportunities to move in our life. Would we be faithful with those And share your love, share your mercy, share your grace with the people in our communities. God, everything we do and say this morning is for your glory and your glory alone. Would we honor our bodies, honor you with our bodies in this place this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Romans 8, 9 through 11, we're gonna see three conditional statements, three points, uh, and all sorts of things that we learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. The first conditional statement is this. If the Spirit dwells in you, you belong to God. If the Spirit dwells in you, you belong to God. Who's the Spirit? Quick overview. Um, there's a big T word when it comes to theology and describing who God is. It's three in one. What's that T word? Trinity. We believe that God is Trinity, He's three in one. Uh, and we see this all throughout the scriptures God saying things like, Let us make man in our image. God speaking of Himself. As plural, we see um, the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. Even at creation, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. In the Old Testament, we see God sending His Spirit and then withdrawing His Spirit. In the New Testament, in Acts 2, we see God pouring out His Spirit. We see Jesus promising the outpouring of His Spirit. We see the Spirit um, referenced as being God. So, who is the Spirit? Brief overview The Spirit is God. He's the third member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What we see today is who he is and what he does. Verse nine says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. I want to break verse nine into three parts. A part A, a part B, uh, and a part C, because there's a lot going on just in these little stanzas. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. A couple of weeks back that we saw that Christians are not in the flesh. Christians might be of the flesh. We might still struggle with the flesh, but we are not in the flesh. The book of Ephesians says at one time we were, we were dead in our sin. We were dead in our trespasses. We were of, we were in and of the flesh entirely. The book of Psalms, David speaking, he says that in sin, he was conceived from, the, from our birth. We are in the flesh. We are born sinners, positionally in flesh and in sin. What's the flesh? We talked about it like this. Flesh is this. It's our affections, our attitudes, and our actions that run contrary to God's. It's our attitudes, our affections, and our actions that run contrary to God's attitudes, affections, and actions. In other words, if God says, dude, go left, naturally, I just want to go right. If God says, stand up, I just want to sit down. We are born wanting to do the opposite of what God says. It's because we are in and of the flesh, But something happens when we come to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and new has come. The old has gone, the flesh has gone, new has come, spirit has come. Believers are no longer in the flesh. We are in the spirit, though we still struggle with the flesh. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. My flesh, my sin has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live flesh, but Christ who lives in me, that's spirit. And the life I now live in the, the life I now live in the flesh, in my physical life, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live in the Spirit, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are not in the flesh, but believers are in the Spirit. Second thing we see: if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's the conditional statement. We are no longer in flesh. We are in Christ if the Spirit of God dwells in you. That means if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, you are not in the Spirit. You are still in the flesh. What does this mean? If the Spirit of God dwells in us, if we rewind to the Old Testament we see that God sent his Spirit to accomplish a purpose for a time and a season, and then he would withdraw his Spirit. Um, Some examples we see of this. Samson, like, the guy whose body was a temple, right? The dude was cut up. He was like an awesome warrior with a, a sweet, sweet like male model haircut flow. Um, and that's, somehow his strength was tied to his hair. I don't understand it. God does some cool, really cool, crazy things. Um, but we see the spirit of God would come upon him and he would do wild stuff. Like this one time, the spirit of God came upon him and he killed a thousand people with a jawbone. Right? and the other people just kept coming. You'd think like after the second guy, you might've been like, I don't know, this guy seems a little crazy. And then third guy, hundredth guy, it's like, I, don't, I think I'm a. to, and he just kept, kept whacking him. Um, or another time, the spirit of God came upon him. It was the last action he ever did in his life when he brought down the house, not metaphorically, like physically brought down the house to this temple worship pagan party thing going on. The spirit of God came upon him and the spirit of God left. Or um, King Saul, King Saul, the spirit of God was upon King Saul. King Saul started doing all sorts of crazy things. And what did God do? God withdrew his spirit. So we saw the spirit of God in the Old Testament would come for a season um, or to accomplish something or for a certain amount of time, but then he would be withdrawn. What we see in the New Testament is that God pours out his spirit on believers and then the believers have that spirit forever. The Holy Spirit doesn't just like come and go, come and go. We actually become his dwelling place. Jesus, John 14, 15 through 17 says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He will be with us forever. Not just this short time, short period, short season, just for a task or just for one little, he'll be with us forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling in us. Where? I don't know how that really works. Um, one of our super faithful church members, who typically serves um, at a door during our services on Sunday, had a scan and his heart done a couple of weeks back. Uh, and before they went in for the scan, he told uh, the nurse who was doing it all, he said, be careful now. And she said, well, <laughs> what? Like, what you? And he said, well, I'm not quite sure. Don't be shocked what you see in there. And she said, well, what do you mean? And he said, you might see Jesus. Right? And I don't, I don't know. That's a good joke, I guess. We can clap for the joke. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not like a polypocket pocket-sized Jesus living inside of our heart. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. But we're his dwelling place. He lives in us. How entirely that works, I'm not completely sure. But the Spirit of God dwells in us. We become His temple. We become His dwelling place. See, in the Old Testament, God had a temple and He would visit that temple occasionally. In the New Testament, He also has a temple. It's no longer a physical place, it's a physical person. He dwells in us. We don't need special access. We don't have to do certain sacrifices in order to enter into his presence because a certain sacrifice has already been made. I have access. Every hour, every moment, every minute, every day, I have access to the spirit of God. Why? I don't have to go somewhere. He's come to me. He lives inside of us. The third thing, it says, anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to him. Anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to him. Ephesians chapter 1, we see that when we come to faith, we're sealed with the Spirit and we become his. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 says this In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's the good news concerning Jesus, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We are sealed with his Holy Spirit. Now, in our culture, in our context, we don't have like a wax stamp where we would seal things unless you're sending out like fancy wedding invitations. You might spend way too much money on a wax seal to put on your envelopes. Um, outside of that, we don't really do the seal thing. This is talking about like a king seal, to show who it belongs to. The closest thing I can think of in my house as a seal is a Sharpie marker. Okay, I remember as a kid, my parents wrote my last name on everything, right? And it's like, Dad, I know it's mine. Why are you putting my name on my stuff? I know who it belongs to, but other people don't. There's like 14 other kids who have that same baseball glove and I wanna make sure that you know which one's yours. So we're gonna put that seal on, it's Slager. And as obnoxious as it was, guess who now writes their last name on everything? This guy does that. Okay, inside my kid's left shoe, slager. Inside the right shoe, slager. Glove, glove, helmet, bat, baseballs, bags, everything has our seal on it. Why? So we know who it belongs to. So what God has done with us, we're his property. We're his, we belong to him. He has placed his seal on us and it's a seal that's so much stronger than permanent ink. He sealed us with the spirit of God. And he says, in doing so, he's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. It's a guarantee. We're sealed as his property and he brings his property to live with him forever someday. That spirit in our life is like a guarantee of our salvation, right? Maybe sometimes you find yourself in a season of like, man, I don't know, like if, if I'm really saved or not, like I, I don't know, and, you know, I do some wrong things. I don't know enough. And Is the Spirit of God inside of you? Is he? Like, do you feel that conviction? Do you feel that guidance into all truth? We'll talk about some of the things the Spirit does. But if the Spirit is in you, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. God sent his Spirit to live with you forever. He's not gonna take that away. He's sealed you. You're good. He's guaranteed it. You're good. He's the guarantee of our inheritance, the guarantee of our salvation. Notice how he says, anyone who does not have the spirit does not belong to him. Therefore, anyone who does have the spirit does belong to him. We are his property. Right, it's not like he's renting us. We're not some spiritual Airbnb, spiritual Verbo thing where God pops in for a little while. Oh, that was fun. I'm gonna go try a different one now. We're his. We belong to him. Which in a weird way makes us a steward of us. So 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. How do we use our body? How do we use our mouth? How do we use our mind? If it's his, we ought to steward it in a way to his glory and his glory alone. If the spirit dwells in us, then we belong to God. The second thing we see, if the spirit dwells in you, you experience life. You experience life. Verse 10 says this, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Even though the body is dead. Okay, it's dead, it's dying, and it's going to one day like actually die. Even though that happens, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Because God has placed his spirit within us, we know that someday we will live even though we die. It's been said there's two guarantees in life, death and death. And taxes. Okay, you can try to evade them, but you can't. You just can't. Death is coming. And the tax man's probably coming too. We can't beat it. Death is going to happen. Apart from Christ returning again, um, which many of us pray for daily because that'd be awesome. All of us will deal with death. But Jesus came to give us life. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief comes. Who's the thief? Who's the thief? Come on. It's Satan. The Satan, the devil, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus hasn't just come to give us a little bit of life. Hasn't just come to make sure that our, our life sucks forever, then we die and go to heaven. He gave us to give us abundant life here, abundant life here, and abundant life in heaven. Came to save us, to deliver us from death, to new life, and sends a spirit for us to experience abundant life. John 16, verse seven says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Go away, hold on a second now. How many of you feel like it'd be better to have Jesus here with us right now? That's our feeling, right? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was just here with us so we could go see him, we could go talk to him, we could go worship him at his feet, ask him questions, say, what do you really mean by this? Can you help us understand? That sounds like it would be better, but here you have Jesus saying, it's better that I leave. It's better that I go, go away. Why? It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. He's the help we need to live this life. Jesus came for us to live abundant life. He sent his spirit that we would live an advantage life. If the Holy Spirit gives us an advantage to our life, then why do we uh, live our life? It's like our hands are tied behind our back, intentionally disadvantaged. We gotta open up the gift. We gotta unwrap it. We gotta know who he is. We gotta know what he does. Allow him to move through us in our life. He is our advantage. Well, how? What does he do? Let's talk about that real quickly. If you've got a piece of, a piece of paper and a pen, you're a note taker, um, I'd encourage you to write these things down. If not, uh, shoot me an email. I'll send you this list. Overview role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Who is he? What does he do? Nine things. It's just nine things. You can remember them all, right? Uh, And these are in no particular order. And as I said, this is not a full theological expose on who the spirit is and what he does. So if you're like, you forgot one, I know. Okay, I know, I know, there's a lot of things. Um, One thing the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, regeneration. He causes us to be born again. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born of water and what? And the spirit. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. And this is what the spirit of God does. He causes a new birth. We have a spiritual death. We're born dead. So He gives us a spiritual rebirth. Someday we'll die and we will have a rebirth. This is how he works in our life. Where we saw he's the guarantee of our salvation. He's the guarantee of our salvation. Pastor Joe and Franco this week put it to me like this. He said, imagine you're selling a car at a garage sale for $10,000, $10,000 car at a garage sale. If you're ever looking at a used car right now, that would be a steal. So if you find it, buy it um, because that would be a pretty nice deal right now. Uh, $10,000 car at a garage sale. Someone comes up and says, hey, can I give you a guarantee? I'll give you $5. I'll come back. You'd be like, that's not enough that is not a guarantee. I'll give you $500. You'd be like, ah, it's still not. Like, I need to sell this thing. I don't, I don't know. But if someone came to you and said, can I give you a guarantee? I'll give you $9,999. I will come back and get this car. You'd be like, yeah, that's a pretty good guarantee. That guy's coming back. That's what the spirit is. There's a guarantee. That guy's coming back. He's going to bring me home. He's going to bring me home to live with him someday. He's with me now. He's in us now, but someday he'll call me home and I'll live with him forever. He's my guarantee. Third thing, John 16 says he convicts the world of sin concerning sin, concerning righteousness, concerning judgment. Um, That thing you feel sometimes that like, I did it again, that that type of feeling. I was talking to my son, Elijah, this week uh, and he was talking about something that happened at school and he said, dad, yesterday this weird thing happened. Like I was gonna go do this thing, but then I felt like I shouldn't. I said, that's the Holy Spirit, bud. That's conviction. That's God convicting you of sin. John 16, verse 13, it says, he guides us into all truth. You ever felt like something was wrong but couldn't totally understand why? Like one of those like, that doesn't sound right. Or hmm, that just doesn't feel right. I'm kind of like a high EQ, emotionally, whatever. I'm obviously not high IQ because I don't know what EQ stands for. Um, but I can oftentimes feel something before I really understand why I feel it. Right? Like sometimes, I don't that that doesn't feel right to me. I can't really tell you why yet, but it doesn't, just doesn't feel right to me. That's the Holy Spirit guiding me into all truth. John 16, verse 14 says how the role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. He glorifies Jesus through our life. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, talks about how the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us and gifts us for service in the church. We have these things called spiritual gifts. Uh, the Greek word for it is charisma. And you might be like, whoa, I'm not one of those charismatics. Well, I'm not charismatic. You don't have a choice though. Okay, charis comes from the word grace and charisma comes from God gifting you something. If you're a Christian, you're charismatic. You don't have an option, okay? And some of you are like, well, I don't like this church anymore. <laughs> like that's, okay? That's, I'm, not, I'm not like saying we're gonna go this other, what, you, you feel me? You get what I'm saying? God, guide them into all truth and save me from this moment, <laughs> right? But, but he gifts us, he empowers us, he fills us. We have charisma because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's who we are. It's not like we have an option. We're full of Christ. We're full of the Spirit. He's gifted us to go and do things for his service. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says, God comforts us in all our afflictions so that we can comfort others in their times of affliction. Jude 1, verse 20 says, the Holy Spirit assists us in prayer that we can pray in the spirit. He gives us words to speak. He gives us words to say. I don't know if you've ever been praying for someone before and then all sorts of stuff just starts popping into your mind and you're like, well, that's weird. I wasn't thinking about that stuff before and now I am thinking about this stuff. Have you ever had this crazy thing? I don't even know why we call it crazy. This is the spirit of God living inside of us, people. It's not crazy, it's God. Where you're just going about your day, living your life, and all of a sudden someone pops into your head and you're like, huh, maybe I should reach out to them, I guess. And then you don't. Let's say you don't. And then you find out the next day that they were like in it and needing help and needing prayer. And you're like, hmm, maybe that's not crazy. Maybe that's something else. Maybe that's the spirit of God living inside of me. Or you've had the time where it's like, you know, I just... I just feel like we should go do this thing. Uh, and then you do it for someone and realize they were having like a terrible day. You're like, wow. you are like, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're like, I don't know, it's the spirit of God. Like he, he just kind of made me feel that. That's the spirit of God moving in our life. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says that God gives us wisdom to understand God through his spirit. He reveals things to us through his spirit. We can know his mind through his spirit. We can understand what he says through his spirit. Sin brings death, but the spirit brings life, not just life, abundant life. The spirit brings advantage life. If the spirit dwells in us, that's the type of life that we experience. Third thing that we see about the spirit if the spirit dwells in us, we will be given life even though we die. We will be given life even though we die. Verse 11 says this, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's what we're celebrating this week. The perfect life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Uh, I know Bob already mentioned it. Thursday night is going to be a wonderful night to celebrate communion together, to remember what Christ has done for us on the cross. All about communion, all about the bread and the blood, the body, the blood of Jesus. Friday night is going to be a great kind of hands-on sensory experience of, uh, of what the last night looked like for Christ, where um, it'll be reverent. Someone asked me last week, are you guys going to stage a crucifixion type of thing? And I said, no, absolutely not. Um, there's churches out there that do that. We just feel like that's a little bit dishonoring uh, and don't, and don't want to do that. Um, but it's going to be a reverent opportunity for us to just worship Christ and, and, and see what he did for us. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday morning. Uh, we'll have our sunrise service and then three services on Sunday afternoon. Man, if there's someone in your life who needs the spirit of God, would you invite them? Would you invite him? This has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Christ. We want people to experience new life. We want people to experience abundant life. We want people to experience the advantage life that God gives us through his spirit. So I'd encourage you this week, be on the lookout for opportunities to bring people with you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, okay, pop quiz, who raised Jesus from the dead? Everyone just say God did. Okay, that's um, the simple answer. God did. That's what Acts 2 says. God raised him up. The more nuanced answer, well, Galatians 1 says the father raised him up. John 2, Jesus says, I will raise me up. You look at this passage, it looks like the Holy Spirit raised him up. So which one? Who did it? God did. God did it. So if God raised Jesus up, and if that's the Spirit who lives in me, God will also someday raise me up. He will raise me up, even though we die, yet shall we live. 1 Corinthians 15 talks all about this. I will be given new bodies, new glorified bodies, and we'll be like him forever. How many of you would like a new body? Right? Your, your temple is a little busted old and broken. <laughs> Looking forward to that glorified one. God will do that. He'll raise us up and we'll live with him forever. If the Spirit dwells in us, we belong to God. If the spirit dwells in us, we will experience abundant and advantaged life. If the spirit dwells in us, we will be given life eternally, even though we'll die. So what? What's that mean for me today? See, God sent a helper for a reason. It's because we need help. Everyone turn to your neighbor real quick, look them dead in the eye, and with all sincerity, tell them, you need help. (laughs) We do. We know we do, but this is what Christ has done for us. For whatever reason, we have this like prideful attitude that just says, no, I got this. You ever get a box from Amazon or Ikea and it's got like the symbol for Team Lift on it? In my pride, I'm like, yeah, right, I got this, right? And then someone says, hey, you need help because the end, really they're saying, bro, you need help. Like this isn't designed for you to be lifted on your own. That's our life. God has gifted us with eternal life. He's gifted us for ministry. He hasn't just like saved us. He's actually saved us from death and then sent us back into the world to help other people be saved from death. You think you can do that on your own? We don't got this. We need his help. We need him to help us. So how, how do we do this? Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17 says this. But I say, walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How many of you wanna stop gratifying the sinful desires of your flesh? I know I do. I know I do. I constantly feel that Romans seven thing that we learned about, right? Why do I keep doing the things I don't wanna do? And why is it the things I want to do? Those are the things I can't do. This doesn't make any sense. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these things are opposed to each other. Isn't that how you feel? Like there's this war within between flesh and spirit. It's what we've been talking about the last several weeks in our study in Romans to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's one of the the things the spirit does. He keeps us from doing the stuff that you and I actually wanna do. So how do we do this? How do we walk by the Spirit? We were talking about this in our um, preaching meeting this week. We came up with Four ways, a process. And this isn't just a plug and play type thing. We need to seek the Lord. We need to live in this state of God consciousness where everything's about him, everything's for him. Not just check boxes and be a Nike Christian where it's just do it, do it, just do it, just do it and everything will be fine. Actually press in and actually pursue and actually follow Jesus. So don't just take these four things and be like, yep, check, 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 good now. But these four things might be a helpful process for us when it comes to walking in the spirit. How do we do that? First thing we do, we pause. We pause. We recognize, like Romans 7 18 says, nothing good dwells in our flesh. Our, our first reaction to things typically isn't the correct reaction. Right? Dad, dad, how can I serve you, son? No, it's what? <laughs> not normally the best. We need to pause. You get cut off in traffic. Your response is typically not. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine (laughs) upon you. It's not. We need to pause and recognize, man, in my flesh, apart from Christ, nothing good dwells in here. But guess what? I'm not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. I can be used by him. I can be used for him, for his glory and his glory alone. We just pause and recognize, I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus right now. Second thing we do, we pray. We ask for his help. God, if you sent a helper, would you help me? I need help. Ezekiel 36, 27 talks about how God will put his spirit within us and he'll cause us to walk in his statutes. That's what we pray for. God, I know your spirit is in me. Would you cause me to walk according to your statutes? Would you cause me to walk your way? Not my will, not my way. Would you cause me to walk in your will? Not my will, because your will be done. Thy will, not my will, thy will. We pray, we ask for his help. Third thing, we proceed in power, recognizing that he is the power, not us. Interesting thing, if you look at the word spirit uh, in Hebrew, it's the word ruach, which is the same word for wind. It's the same word for breath. Breath that gives you life. I'm not much of a... uh, sailor if you will but I, I pretty simply understand that there's more power uh, that comes from the wind in the sails of a ship um, than me with my two oars just trying to make it through we need help we gotta stop oaring our way through life saying I got this I can do this I'm pretty good on my own let those things go and let God be the power let him be the power that you walk in this week and then fourth we praise we thank him for doing what he has done we thank him. We just sang, God, I've seen you move. Thank you. I've seen you move. Thank you. Thank you for moving around me. Thank you for moving within me. Would you do it again? Would you keep on moving in our life? The Bible says the Father so loved the world that he sent who? The Son to save us. Guess what? The Son so loved us that he sent who? The Spirit to help us, to guide us, to convict us. For we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not our own. We were bought with the price. Therefore, we honor God with our bodies. Amen? Let's pray. God, even now, we just pause. Recognizing that apart from you, there's there's nothing good. We recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. We also realize that it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives within me. And we also realize, we pause and we reflect that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So God, would you be our strength? Would you be our power? God, we know that you've put your spirit inside of us and you can cause us to walk in your statutes. Would you cause us to walk in your will and your way this week? God, we need your help. You sent the helper, so we ask, God, will you help us? Will you help us live the life you've called us to live? God, would we proceed in power, not our power, but your power? Would we proceed in your spirit? Would we walk in your spirit? Fourthly, God, we praise you for what you've done. We praise you for what you've done. God, you've sent your son to live a perfect life we couldn't live, to die a death that we deserve to die. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death, and in Christ we could truly live. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for sending your spirit. God, would you be our guide this week? Would you be our conviction this week? God, would you equip us? Help us understand how you've equipped us to serve you. God, I ask that you would put names on our mind. God, that you'd bring faces to mind, people who need this message, people who need the gospel. And God, would we not just invite them to church, but God, would we be the ones to share the gospel with them? Would you empower us and give us the courage to do so? God, there's so much to praise you for, and we continue now in song. Amen. Amen. The same power that rose, Jesus from the dead lives in us, friends, that can be your life. Christ came to give us abundant advantage life, if only we 'd place our faith, our hope, our trust, in who Christ is and what Christ has done. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that we agree with, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, not just believe he existed, not just believe he was some good moral teacher, not believe he 's just some historical figure, but place our faith, hope, trust, believe in Christ, then we'll be saved. If that's you this morning, if you want to be saved, if you want to experience abundant life, if you want to experience the advantage life of the Spirit of God living inside of you as his dwelling place, man, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you take that next step in giving your life to the Lord. Our prayer team is down front. Church, if you've got something you need prayer for, these are your people. Would you come down front this morning and just say, hey, can we pray it out? I've got some stuff I gotta deal with and we'd love to help with you there. Church, just like the church building is plugged into a generator for its power this morning, would the actual church be plugged into Jesus? Okay. Would we experience the power that he has given us? Would we experience the power to actually walk in his way, walk in his will, and in doing so, be temples who are used for his glory and his glory alone, amen?